podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's. Welcome back if you've listened before and if you've not, welcome. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get a feel for what it's like to be a Liverpool fan in and around the city by listening to some of the stuff we talk about, which may be exactly the same as what you're thinking yourself wherever you are in the world, but sometimes there might be a, a little bit of a difference because, um, you know, the the sort of press don't always report things the way we are and there's no city like Liverpool that knows that. I'm with Jay Reid today and... I think it's been a week since we last recorded and there's been quite a bit happening since then. But I think the first question I want to ask you, Jay, is whether you got, um, did you get away with Mizzy Knight or with them lads, with them lads, uh, <laughs> who were normally scared of the dog? Did they come and look for you? No. <laughs> uh, what I did do is get an absolute army of children turn up on a Halloween trick or treating. Now, last year we bought, <laughs> we bought plenty of sweets last year, you know, because it was the year sort of after COVID and you mm. think, like, you know, People will be back to normal and the kids will be wanting the sugar supply. And we had one kid knock. And then this year, we went for the same sort of estimate of sweets. And within half an hour, we were empty. Gosh. We had to dig into a little chocolate supply. Um, if any more were coming, they were getting apples and oranges, then, you know, <laughs> they wouldn't have come back again, would they, next year? So, yeah, yeah the, the mischief night stayed clean. But then the Halloween, uh, yeah, I was empty of... You know, my little bars of chocolate I take to work for the week. I had to go and buy more on Tuesday. So uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. But, yeah, um, it's one of them. And, you know, coming up this weekend, it's bomby nice or bonfire mm. nice, as people call it. But in Liverpool, it's bomby nice. Yeah. Um, which I suppose it's it's how you are as a person. So for me, as a kid growing up, it was fun because of the fireworks and stuff. But now, yeah, in reference to having a dog, um, those who've got pets will probably know. Um, some of them are okay, but a lot of them mm. don't like it. Um, so it kind of involves us um, being curled up on the couch under a blanket and making sure he's as comfortable as he can be because, um, yeah, the, the fireworks don't settle well with him. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's probably got a pet in that situation. So, yeah, you've got my sympathy if you are somebody with a, a pet over this weekend and the no doubt bombs that'll be going off for several hours. Yeah, we used to have a dog when I was growing up and um, she'd come and hide under my bed on bombing night because, uh, well, not just bombing night either, is it? Because it's not just one night. It's like no, no, it night after night after night for a good week. Yeah. So. Oh, they've been going off for weeks. Like, they're, in, they're in shops from like early October and, you know, when we lost, unfortunately, last weekend and Everton won, there was a few last Saturday. Um, sorry to drag that one up so early into the podcast, but yeah, the Blues had something to celebrate last week because... You know, we lost, and that's what their life revolves around. 
they must have so much pyro stuff up though, mustn't they? Like they, you know, they've been buying it all in bulk and then they never get the chance to use it. I mean, I, yeah. we, there was a game, game at our place against them and I can't remember what it was. I'm game, guessing four or five years ago when they scored and they wouldn't have won because it was, it was that long ago. But it was in that spell where they weren't winning at all at Anfield and they scored and then someone let some like purple pyro off and I couldn't understand what was going on. Like why is it some sort of, is it provided by the council to kind of be like a neutral <laughs> pyro? But anyway, City Liverpool FC pyro, they got it confused. Yeah, they got. They, I bet they were gutted after. You waited like eight years to set this thing off, and it was the wrong colour. But anyway, you did. You mentioned it then. I suppose we've got to mention it again. Um, since we were last on, Liverpool had an extremely unusual game under normal circumstances, but under this year's circumstances, a kind of fairly typical game, if you like, because we played Leeds, bottom of the table, you know, in the bottom three, and we played them at home. It was a night game under floodlights, and we lost. Yeah, we gave it a big build up, didn't we? And I did. I think I did say last week I wouldn't be surprised if they got something. Mm. Um, and you know, as this season is, it went to the form book in terms of the Roy Hodgson four book. You know, four wins, four draws, four losses that we've got now, and God. the mediocrity of the performance kind of led to you know the outcome of the results and it, it was disappointing um, one thing I will touch on is the atmosphere was absolutely stinking in the ground like the, the feeling that you know a night game like we, we build it under the lights leads to bring a, a colourful support because there's, there's topics we can get into on that one um, you know rowdy loud um it had all the, you know, all the ingredients there, all the setup for for a lively night game, and one that we'd think, you know, we'd we'd rise to the occasion, but but sadly we never. Um, and it, it comes as no surprise, but you had to, just the atmosphere in the ground. I think whether it was, you know, Saturday night and people had sold on the tickets and second hand stuff, I think, or people were sort of not that overly interested because it was a Saturday night game and people would rather be somewhere else. I mean. At the end of the game, I would have rather have sat up and watched Strictly come dancing and watch what I did on the pitch. But yeah, and I was doing, I was doing <laughs> raw. I was, I was, I was at oh. home. I was doing raw, and so I couldn't sort of leave it and watch Strictly or something <laughs> instead. And I was all on my own because I had to go upstairs to watch it because obviously they were watching oh. Strictly or whatever they were watching. And like, um, in fact, I think there was some Grand Prix qualifying on as well. Like there was loads of things that would have been better than watching <laughs> that. But I had to watch it. I mean, I'd have even watched one of those weird sort of discovery things that. The more the half watches the like reality TV from the states. Anyway, let's not go into them. It was just, I, I, I think as Liverpool fans, we've we've sort of become a little bit, you know, self indulgent and think like we should be beating these teams, and you know, we go in with a blase attitude, and mm. we don't sort of, you know, think we we have to put a hundred percent in as fans. But I think. Tony pointed on something on your, your podcast that you put out on Monday. Um, for anyone who hasn't listened to that, um, I know you'll be plugging later, but an early plug now is go and give that a, a good listen. Um, the atmosphere around feels best when it's got that little bit of angst about it. And, you know, when there's a little bit of needle there and, you know, the fans feed off the players, the players feed off the fans. Yeah. But I think, you know, the, the blase attitude that we've probably went in with and thinking we should just roll these over and we never... and at the end of the day, they wanted it more. They won pretty much every second ball. They outran us, which isn't a surprise lately. And, you know, they got what they deserved. They, they got the three points and 
walking away from the ground. You know, there was a lot of discussions as you're walking down the street here, and the main sort of feeling was, well, we didn't deserve that. Mm. Like, we didn't deserve nothing from it. Like, we didn't deserve to to get anything from the game. It was no surprise that they did, um, which is a sorry state of affairs, um, really, because, you know, the, the two teams we've lost to in the last couple of weeks, Forest and Leeds, we, we maybe took for granted, but in the grand scheme of things, those six points would probably see us a lot higher up the table than where we currently are. And going into this weekend's game against the team who are up in that echelons of the table, we we probably would have been a lot closer to them. But, you know, we are where we are. We get You get what you deserve in this game. If you don't put the effort in, then you don't deserve to win. No. And I think, I mean, I know what you're saying about the, the thing, like when you walk outside the ground, you sort of walk from wherever you are. Obviously, you, everyone's going the opposite way to each other. You're getting through throngs and throngs of people, and you hear loads and loads of snippets, don't you, of people's opinions? But over after like five or ten minutes of that, you kind of get that what the consensus is. And depending on what you do afterwards, like say you go to the pub afterwards and meet up with your mates, because as I was saying with Tony the other day, and there's so much now where I used to go to the game on the cop. I could arrive at a different time, so some of the mates go together, whatever. It didn't really matter. One of them had a season ticket for a bit. I never, so we had to go through different gates. But the thing is, once you're in there, you'd sit together, you'd get on with your mates, you'd have a great time. You were more extrovert because you were with your mates and so on and so forth. So so that's changed and kind of the social side of it now is a little bit like afterwards as well. So after the game, you'll go and meet your, your mates, usually if you can, down in one of the pubs or wherever, talk about the game. And I think as you sort of leave in the ground, you're thinking what you're going to say. And it's the same doing Raw in a lot of ways. As you're going through the game, you're thinking, what, you know, what are we going to talk about? What kind of things can I say later on? What, 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 are we, you know, trying to take it all in and, and remember things. And the thing I was thinking was, as, as the clock was ticking down, was we don't really deserve this 1 1. You know, we're, we're lucky to have a 1 1. And we should come, you know, as disappointing as it's going to be to only get a point, in a lot of ways, we should be glad we have. And then next thing you know, it, it we didn't act like we, we were happy with the point. We acted like we were that was too much for us and went and gave that away and it's just it's just bad and I wonder whether the Saturday night atmosphere there'll be people saying what it is and we always sort of overanalyze things but one of the one of the possibilities is that when it's a Wednesday maybe it's harder for some people to get to the game and maybe there's more likelihood that the tickets for the midweek game are going to people who live more locally and I'm not having a go at people who don't but also people who maybe don't always get the chance to go the game and really want to make make the most of it because I don't think it's I think about local fans being louder than non-local fans as such. I think it's more like fans who are just like, they've got to the point now where they go every time, they don't miss any games, and when they go, they're sitting there expecting to be entertained. There's not loads of people like that, but there's enough. I mean, I, I tend to move around the ground when I go, um, sit in all different places, and in all the different places, you'll come across fans like that who've been sat in that same seat for years, and they've just turned up and expected it to be perfect every game, and it's 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 wrong and sometimes that that attitude spreads sometimes it's them who are getting shouted down by others and sold off for not getting part uh, you know being part of the atmosphere but there's something weird about a saturday night kickoff and um i don't know i hate lunchtime saturday kickoffs but i'm not keen on saturday night ones either no the the five thirty is okay mm-hmm. because you know if if you're lucky enough to go to a game for a, a five thirty kickoff or yeah, you're at home watching it. Like for for those who who you know attend the game, like for myself, I'd say you kind of maybe you get to a local pub. Um, there's several in the area around Anfield, mm. um, and you might catch like you know the final scores coming in the last sort of fifteen twenty minutes of the three o'clock kickoffs. If you've got a little bet on, you sort of you might be sat there sweating, waiting for 
a team or a result to come in. And, you know, it, it sort of, you know, gets you built up in the atmosphere because, you know, Saturday three o'clock football is the traditional go-to football time. And th- there is nothing better than a three o'clock kickoff, really. But if, if, you, if you're in and around, like, you know, a, a local establishment and you've got something maybe riding it or you're meeting up with people and you can discuss, you know, if we win today, we can go there. If, you know, the Blues have, have lost again, look how low down they are or, you know, Results can sort of, you know, spark conversation, build up your sort of anticipation for the game. So a 5.30 isn't too bad, but that 7.45 on a Saturday, like, I think majority of people would rather be somewhere else um, on a Saturday night because it's just a strange kick-off time. And, and, and like, game is is reserved for midweek and, you know, that's the, the allure and mystique of, of European nights because mm. the... They're under the lights for the majority of the year, and yeah, it's it, it's sort of a bit lost in in the in the mire of of the weekend because I, I don't know what the viewership was, but you know, if you've got a family or you've got like other things to be doing on a Saturday night, you probably would want to be doing that, and um, maybe that ties into to the sort of damp atmosphere we had the other day. I, I don't know, but it's it's not a great kickoff time, especially on a Saturday. But also, we can't just blame that because I think there is that thing that sometimes there is just that complacency from from fans and from players. We complain about it when it's from the players because there's time and again you've looked at Liverpool players, and it's even on away games when the away support's always good for Liverpool. But even on away games, we've looked complacent at times. So you can't blame it all on the fans. But the truth is, you're right. If that if those fans want to go around calling themselves the twelfth man as we like to do, because time and again we have been the twelfth man, then you've got to be the twelfth man every game. You can't complain that. You know, this fullback's not putting a shift in, or that striker's looking like he can't be bothered if you're sat there with your arms folded doing nothing. So, you know, if you're lucky enough to get the game, get there. But I liked, um, I like what Tony came up with the other day, I, other day as a solution to this. So you, you, you'll hear it on the podcast, but um, he was just saying, make sure everyone has three pints before they go in. You know, it's not too much, not too little. You're just warmed up, aren't you, and ready to get into things. Yeah, sort of, you know. Warms up the vocal cords, you could say, <laughs> in one way or another. Um, and yeah, it, it gets you like that little bit of confidence. And I think, you know, whether you are a drinker or not, um, I think anyone would be honest if you've had a, a little taste for it. It does sort of, you know, relax you slightly, bring your guard down a little bit, might just make you feel a little bit more at ease with with the strangers around you. And I liked what, what Tony touched on in terms of, you know, the old days where, you know, you were able to, to get in nice and early and, and stand with your mates where now, you know, you, you might go to the ground with a car full of people and with just four or five years in the car, you might be lucky if you sat next to one or two of the people and the others are dotted around the ground and yeah. that doesn't help the atmosphere. I don't know how the club can... Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well... Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. 
just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Can aid that I, you know, you could say allow people to to want to be able to sit together, but you know, a seat to season, you'll always have to see police who always say, "Well, that's my seat. I bought the ticket, and yeah, you're yeah. not standing there," sort of thing. Um, but yeah, like anyone who has like got memberships to, you know, try and get tickets will know that the absolute chaos that is trying to get tickets for Liverpool these days. It's it's so hard. Like it's it's harder than it's ever been, and they aren't making it easy and accessible. The, the you know the, there's things out there like a local member sale, and if you're on social media, you you'll probably follow accounts if you are trying to get access to tickets and see that tickets are gone within seconds. But you know there's there's always touts. You've got all the tickets, like it doesn't add up, and the chances of you getting two tickets together is rare. Um, yeah. So yeah, like it, it doesn't it doesn't help with the whole thing and you know you, you could delve into a lot of theories as to, to what the club really wants um, do they just want people paying money through the door and they're not really bothered about anything else as long as the money is going in the coffers you know it, it kind of feels like that sometimes but the atmosphere it would be helped if, if you know if, if people could could gather and be together or you know have the guard down a little bit more and I suppose the Saturday night time, you would have thought led to that, but yeah, as we've touched on it, it probably didn't in that in the case of last week. Maybe maybe it was just complacency. Had it been, you know, Manchester United rolling into town on Saturday night, I'm sure it would have been a different story. I think complacency yeah, yeah. across the whole board, the, the team and the fans was was a large issue last week. Yeah, and I think there'd have been a different reaction to things like that own goal. So the own goal was like a mistake. It, well, I think it wasn't even an own goal. It feels like an own goal. <laughs> it felt like <laughs> You know, you sort of put it in that category of like, oh my God, like embarrassing moments. So like there's someone, whoever does like the Joe Gomez, anti-Joe Gomez YouTube YouTube clips has got a nice new one for the little Arsenal there. And there's bound to be someone who does that. Um, that it, it, was, it was just one of those things that happens in football. Mistakes happen. His pass wasn't great. Ali slipped, which wasn't a great thing to happen, and their player was running onto it, which again wasn't a great thing to happen. These things can be avoided and so on. But I think you're right. If that had been Manchester United or City or Arsenal or someone like that that we were playing, the fans would have been so like instantly like, right, we've just conceded loud. Let's make, you know, let's get one back. And it's not even what you're singing. It's that, that intensity of the noise and everything. But I mean, as I say, I wasn't watching it at the place, but it didn't sound to me like there was the same sort of intensity afterwards. It was more of a, oh no, not again. Yeah, it was, I don't know. Um, Joe Gomez is a bit of an enigma. I, I, I've backed a lad and he, he has got ability. We've all seen that, especially in the, the City game. But I don't know what's happened to him over the last few years, but it, it does seem like he is... A player who depends a lot on confidence, um, and if he gets you know a slight mistake, he seems to wobble a lot. And mm. we, we had that with like Diane Lovren for many years, and <clears> that wasn't very good. Um, and he, he seems to get in his own head a little bit. Um, and obviously, the the centre half position is is key for us. Um, you know, there was a lad who come in on Wednesday night, and it was chalk and cheese in terms of what you got. Um, yeah. from, from the Saturday and, and maybe he looked even better because of what we've had over the last couple of weeks and you know 
I, I don't I don't want to dig a player out for not being good enough because he has got a hell of a lot more ability than, than most others. Um but it does seem like a, a confidence issue with Gomez and it, it can't have been easy for him what, what he's gone through in terms of injuries, in and out and he's had a short spell there to maybe build, you know, a, a place in the team and unfortunately a couple of good appearances, a couple of shaky appearances isn't the standard that we we require at the moment or what we need. Um, and I think that that's not just for him, it goes for a lot of players across the park and that's obviously led to the position we're in because consistency has been the biggest problem for us as well as, you know, injuries and stuff like that. Like if you're not consistently performing 10 out of 11 players, you can maybe carry one, but you can't mm. carry four to five. And it, it, it has felt like that's what we've been going through game after game, apart from the odd one here and there where everyone across the park has turned up or the majority. It's always felt as though, you know, you can pick a handful of players out who've done really well, but there's also another handful of you think, mm, we, 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 we done okay there. You wouldn't really be going home to write up rave reviews about them. And that, that sort of sums up where we are at the moment, really, in the season. Yeah, I think one of the things about Gomez and other players like Gomez, if you like, is that if, if everyone was fit and firing, full of confidence, full of fitness, he wouldn't be in the 11, would he? You know, that, that goes without saying he would not be in the 11. And that's that's not a dig at him in any way whatsoever. That's a, a compliment to the players who would be. But that doesn't happen in football. Players get injured. Players lose form. Players need resting because you end up with so many games because of people organising World Cups mid-season and things. So there's going to come a time when someone like Joe needs to get you know, get his boots on if you like and get on the pitch and do do a job. And that I think is is the hardest bit for someone like Klopp to sort of work out because you pick your eleven and you maybe think of a few players that are going to be rotated in and out regularly. So if you look how many forwards we've got when everyone's fit, there's no way you're going to play all of our forwards. All of our five main, if you like, best paid forwards are not going to play every single game at the same time because that would be interesting to watch. I'm not sure it would end well, uh, but you never know. But you need to know that whoever you pick, and if you in, in that case, you can rotate those five into three positions if you like. If they're all fit and firing, you've got some some good options there. You know, you've got people to bring off the bench if someone's having a bad time, someone to bring off the bench to sh- to just change things up a bit, change systems, whatever. But you've got to, you've got to know that they're reliable, and I think on the whole, the front five probably are. Those five players are probably good enough that you can do that with them. You know, you'll get something out of them. I'm not sure how how fixed we are at the back. In that sense, but one one play, one position Joe Gomez can play, of course, is right back. And we were talking the other day on Raw about the idea of given the problems we're having, and there's not just Joe who can play right back. There's the the young lad Calvin that's that just made a little cameo the other night. Could it actually be what everyone's been clamouring for for years, but we've been against? Could it be time to put Trent Alexander Arnold into a more advanced position? Could we, is it worth giving that a go? Yeah, mm. uh, I, I don't see why not. Um, it might benefit Trent, it might benefit the team, it might benefit whoever plays right back, be it Gordon Ramsay's kid or whether it is, is Joe <laughs> Gomez. Um, and, you know, if Gordon Ramsay's lad is is going to play the Cruyff turn game like we used to play with Adam Lallana, then, yeah. you know, that that's interesting. Um, he's certainly not short of confidence or size and stature. I didn't think he was that big, um, to be fair to him. And I only seen it from standing on the copy at night. I don't know what he looked like on telly, but he looked like a, 
a quite a, a physically imposing young lad. Definitely. Um, but you know, Trent's got got so much ability on the ball, and I think you know you, you'd have to be living under the rock to not know that his defensive deficiencies have been highlighted even more than ever um, this season. And there's been a couple of moments I, I noticed in games that we, I've been to the last week. Um, balls, crossfield balls over the top, he seems to lose track of quite easily. Um, and I don't know whether it's a physical thing or whether it's a sort of mental concentration thing, but he just doesn't seem to track a ball very well over his head. And, you know, when we played Napoli the night, the flying left winger that they've got there, who I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name because George attempted it in the ground. And <laughs> the poor fellow went coming off for Napoli number 77. Coming on for Napoli. <laughs> and the whole cop just held his breath for like a split second. We're going, Go on, George. Because we can't say it any chance of you, mate, and it was just not happening. So, um, yeah, we'll call him Kavicha because that's his first name. But, you know, you, you can't allow um, good players in wide positions to get the ball at the feet because they're only going to do one thing. They're going to go at you or like, cause you problems one way or another. Um, and uh, I think it's an issue that he, he needs to work on. And, you know, hopefully he doesn't go to the World Cup um, mm. because... You know, England aren't going to play him anyway because that clown won't play him. But he can work on on things. He can have a bit of time off. He can sort himself out um, one way or the other. But pushing him further forward, his ability on the ball is obviously his strength. And I don't think, other than Kevin De Bruyne, nobody delivers a ball potentially as dangerous as he can into a box in the Premier League. So, given what we've got up top now in in Darwin Nunes and obviously Mo Salah in a more central position. It wouldn't be a bad thing to, you know, be allowing to Trent, Trent to play further up and give them lads opportunities. Um, because the faster you can get the ball out your feet and into the box, if he's obviously more advanced up the pitch, would give them the advantage over defenders. Because the the one thing that those two lads up top have got is really intelligent movements. Um, that's one of the big things that impressed me with Darwin Nunes, amongst other things, is yeah. his movements off the ball and his anticipation and his willingness to run in behind and, and cause chaos. That's why like, um, we've we've nicknamed our WhatsApp group the Crazy Horse because <laughs> you know he was he was dubbed a bit of a donkey at the beginning and he's no longer a donkey. He's now a horse and you know he he's starting to find his feet and he's a bit crazy. So <laughs> that's his uh, his new nickname. He's obviously not on the the Crazy Horse of yesteryear. I was just going to um, say yeah, <laughs> that's a different topic altogether, but. I'm sure we can develop him from, you know, maybe a, a crazy horse to a crazy champion. Um, but it, it wouldn't be a bad thing, I don't think, to to allow someone of his ability on the ball. And if it makes us a little bit more defensively solid as well, that wouldn't be a bad thing because, you know, we haven't had many clean sheets in, in recent times. I think, you know, the Napoli one midweek, but you know, conceding to Forest, conceding to Leeds. We had a couple before that, but it's something that, you know, it gives you a solid base to build off. And Van Dijk has spoken with Gary Neville this week. And if anyone's seen that, it is quite interesting because he's quite a personal guy and you don't see much of him, but he does pride himself on clean sheets. And, you know, if you can be of that that good of ability and you're not getting clean sheets, it must be frustrating. 
and I'm sure he, he wants to keep the board than, than anyone else, really. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's not just goalkeepers. Like, goalkeepers obviously go for that Golden Gloves Award, the most clean sheets in a season, but someone like Van Dijk, you can imagine, feels just the same way. He doesn't want doesn't want the award necessarily for it. He just wants to know. just wants to know that he had so many clean sheets that season that he was part of. And and it's that, that that's the kind of competitiveness with, that decent players have that, you know, that's it's not just about winning. It's about winning well. It's about keeping that clean sheet and it's about doing everything you can to make sure that's the case. And you see him gutted time and time again when we do let, let things slip. And sometimes it's even maybe a slip of his own. He's not, he's not um, infallible as we used to think he maybe was. He's, he's still human just about. So he does make mistakes occasionally. That That's what happens. But it's, it, it would be good to kind of see like, I think the other, the other aspect of this is that teams are sort of playing differently against us lately, or they seem to be that they seem to have sort of worked out some ways to get at us and, and pressing us like Maddie's working for them because we're not as seemingly not as fit as we were. Um, I do wonder now whether we should sort of sometimes play a little bit more sort of on the counter because loads of teams are coming at us now that, that used to defend. So maybe just be ready for that. But the thing about someone like Trent to me is the tracking back he could do if he was playing further forward, he knows, you know, he, he would be the extra person to come and help out at the back rather than the man that you're relying on at the back in that, on that side of the pitch. So there's, there's so, excuse me, there's so much potential there with him. And I think something about where do you play your best players? Well, you play them where they play best. So if Trent's best at right back, then you want to keep him there. But at the moment, there's enough question marks just to say, um, let's try something else. But yeah, I'm not sure. We need to try something else than what we did on Saturday. And I think rather than dwell on that miserable game against Leeds, let's sort of fast forward a few days. And it was only a couple of days later. We had a couple of days off and then we're playing in the Champions League. And as much as it was sort of billed as a potential dead rubber because the only way it mattered would be if Liverpool won by four goals. It was still, to me, it was played as if the match mattered. Both sides wanted to win. Maybe not quite to the sort of 100% putting your lives on the line kind of way that they would have done if it was winner goes through, loser goes out. But to me, both sides wanted to win that game. They wanted the pride. And we came out of it not only with a couple of goals, but with a clean sheet. And, uh, you know, thanks to VAR perhaps, but you're not thanking VAR because VAR just got it right. But 2-0, after what happened at the weekend, that to me was a massive boost. But I'm I'm sort of, I keep doing this lately with Liverpool, I'm sort of thinking, yes, so we are okay. We've remembered how to play and feeling really confident, but then feeling let down a few, day, few days later. Is, did we see enough, do you think, midweek to give us real hope for the future? Or is it just a case of, oh, we're playing a big team, we raised our games and we've still got the same problems underneath. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. What do you? Uh, I think before the game, I think I think we also, we both said last week, it was it was a free hit, um, mm. an opportunity to, to rotate. But then when you probably look at our squad, the option for rotation, probably not there in terms of quantity of numbers, unless you are delving into the academy, um, which I'm sure coming up to, to next week's fixture derby in the League Cup will probably happen because Champions League games um, also come with obviously the, the youth team play um, I think it's under 19 level um, in the UEFA Youth League sorry for the um, mispronunciation yeah. there but that's one that keeps but, confusing people because you get goal updates from you, from you don't you in the middle of the day you know like yeah. Liverpool have gone ahead against Napoli what the hell what time is it What's that? you know all oh, right. Yeah. They've steamed through that group, to be fair. The young kids have, mm. uh, I think, I don't know, 
put five past Napoli as young lads the other day. Um, and there's a few standout names, performers, um, which we may see next week, which would be nice. Um, but yeah, I think you know Klopp said he was going to go strong and eyebrows are raised, even for myself included, thinking, do we really need to? Because what if we get an injury like we did yeah. the other year with Jota when we played at Mitchell, and I think it was, like a needless game where there was nothing really on it. Um, and when we lost a lad for a few months and, you know, it, it's an easy out yeah. in terms of, you know, an excuse or going into the weekend's fixture saying, oh, I've got a couple of tired lads there because, you know, we've played the midweek. It's, it was sort of making a rod for our own back that we didn't need. But, you know, Napoli came to play. They put out, I think, listening to to Raw and the Scouter podcast earlier on the week, um, what would be nominally eight or nine of their best 11. And I think we put out, apart from maybe one or two players, the best that we probably could either. Um, And it did sort of feel a bit first half, like, you know, we we weren't playing for a draw, but we we weren't overexerting ourselves. We were sort of like chilling along in second gear. Um, And I think had we got an early goal or two, maybe the 4-0, might have sort of been on the cards and yeah. and, and we drove it home. But as it transpired, it wasn't. And, you know, I think they, they spent more time on the floor than, than anything else. And, mm-hmm. you know, the old Italian trick, it worked. Um, but, as you said, clean sheet, a couple of goals. Um, we're getting his first one at the cup end. You know, positives to be taken. Um, we're the only the second team to keep Napoli out all season. Um, in terms of, you know, not letting them score. The last time they done that was the end of August away at Fiorentina. Everyone else, you know, they've, they've conceded against Napoli. So, you know, credit to be taken there for, for the Liverpool lads, yeah. um, especially those in defence. And, you know, Canate coming back, and I know we spoke on Gomez, but he, he's a monster of a man physically, but yeah. he, he gives us a lot more. Um, he must have been watching Joel massive compilations as well because his, his Roman runs of field were, <laughs> were, were a pleasure to see because, again, it, it, it gives us an option and not a, not a dig on Gomez, but he's just not that type of guy to, to break out of defence and stride forward with the ball. But it commits players, it opens up the pitch, it allows you know confusion to happen and, and then movement of other players around him on, on his own, on Kanata's own team, obviously, with us. You know, that was what was missing um, first half was a lack of movement. And when Nunes come on, um, obviously we've, we've talked about him before, but just his movements and his willingness to run and cause havoc was probably the catalyst we needed. And, you know, I think their keeper needs a new set of gloves because he certainly had his up and gloves on by the looks of it when he was trying to hold on to that ball from <laughs> corners. How can you make the same mistake twice? It's, 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 it's criminal, really, I'm sure. Spalletti's probably had a good old dig at him when he got back in the uh, changing room because you know it was literally carbon copy goals. He, he couldn't hold on to a, a headed corner, but we we take it and it was a it was a nice confidence boost that we all needed, and it was good to walk away from a game that going into the ground it was sort of well we 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 take what we we can here. Like if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. It's not the end of the world. We know we're we're going to finish second anyway, but coming away with it, it was a nice feeling, especially, 
you know, considering what they did to us out in Naples. Yeah, and I think, I think, I think I said this the other day. I can't remember. You know, when you lose track of when you say things and you say them to, it gets like that sometimes with football stuff. And I just remember thinking, well, we're on like an unbeaten run now in the Champions League. So yeah, we we lost that first game, but since then, we've been winning them, and that is something that you take into the knockout stages. And if you can just keep that going, you know, that feeling that we're unbeatable as long as we put everything into it. You know, as long as we don't sit there and think we're unbeatable and we don't actually have to do anything for that to be the case. If you if you sort of have that attitude, it's just something that, that you can build on. And by the time we do play in the Champions League, a lot of water will have gone under the bridge. It'll be or over the tunnel, depending on how you want to look at it. It'll be, you know, months. It's like middle of February or something. I think someone said Valentine's Day when the Champions League starts again. So there's loads going to be happening. Not just for us, though, of course, because of that stupid World Cup interruption. But it's... You know, it's something we can put, we can look forward to now. We've done that bit. We've got into the knockouts. Now we can get back to sorting out the league stuff and hopefully, you know, getting on a bit of a run that maybe in time gets us up into the Champions League places because, you know, we may not win the Champions League this season. Just in case we don't win the Champions League this season, you want to have that backup of being in the top four because I would hate to be playing in the Europa League. I've forgotten how bad it was. Like you, you're, you're all right with it, aren't you? When you're in the Europa League, like you sort of like, oh, this is all right. It's okay, you know. Bit of European football, better than what Everton are doing. But compared to the Champions League, it just feels so like, I don't know, home and bargain. You can, it's also give and take the Europa League. I Champions League nights on Tuesday. Obviously, we were at home, so you're watching the game, and then Champions League footballs on on Wednesday, and you just if there's nothing else on. You think, well, I'll, I'll throw it on, yeah. and you know, it depends what what you what you're interested. in. I don't mind sometimes watching um, the BT goal show, so the the cross between games when there's sort of goals yeah, flying, or there's a bit of action. Yeah, and you know, it, you're not because you're not wholly engrossed in one game or another, because um, you might, you know, you know, you got no allegiance to either team. It, it is sort of easy to put on, but I certainly went thrown on the Europa League version and. <laughs> You know, crossing to the arse end of Romania and then flipping over to Latvia or Moldova or somewhere, whatever they were going last night. I, I, I weren't putting myself through that. Um, but one thing that I would touch on really is is the home form um, in in the Champions League. We've we've won obviously three games at home, conceded one to Ajax, two clean sheets to Rangers and Napoli, and you know that everyone goes you know Anfield on a European night. Something special about it. Well. I know there's only four possibilities for us in the next round of the draw, but none of them teams are going to want to draw us regardless because they're going to have to come to Anfield. And, you know, the last two times we've played Real Madrid in the Champions League, it's been in a neutral venue in a final and we've lost, like, yeah. you know, on, on, on shady decisions, sort of like, you know, the the situation with Carrius and, you know, Mo Salah going off in the first one and then... Yeah. Last year's final, I don't even remember the game for obvious reasons of what went on outside. No, no, the game was a blur. No, it didn't happen. That event, it's like a non-event. The game itself after that. So, you know, they won't want to face us if they they, they get their name drawn out against us next Monday. I they they don't want to face us because they know coming to our field is a hell of a lot different than going to a shithole in Paris or you know all the way out to Ukraine, which you know sadly that that isn't possible anymore. No given the current climate, but they, they won't want us. And Porto, well, you know, they, they know more than enough what it's like facing us in recent years. Benfica, 
well, they're flying in terms of what they're doing currently, but we've beat them. And then Bayern Munich, you know, we, we faced them in recent times in the Champions League. And again, they're a really good side, but they wouldn't want to come to Anfield and face us. So, you know, just having that sort of on your record for people to look at, regardless of what we're doing domestically, isn't great. But European football, as, as much as Real Madrid say it's their competition, it's also our competition. We are Definitely. the one team in England that nobody wants, regardless of whatever else has happened. Yeah, and I think that's it. I mean, we we say I got asked the question the other day who you would have won in the next round, and I said a team that in the end didn't get to become one of our opponents because they didn't top the group. But I said Paris Saint Germain because. For all the money and everything else, I still think Liverpool can beat anyone on their day. Liverpool can beat anyone and they just have to be on their day. They just have to have everything right and be ready to go and play that game the way it needs to be played and put everything into it. Even with some injuries and things, I still think we can do it. We've got that. When, when, when we're on it, we're, we're so on it, you know, and we can, we can beat anyone. And I thought it would have been nice to be, to get Paris and beat them and sort of have a little bit of payback, a little bit of payback, not much but a little bit of payback for what happened in Paris. You know, just a little, little, tiny little bit. Um, doesn't go anywhere near making up for what went ha- what happened over there, but it's just like, just a little something just to kind of send a message back to them. So that would have been good. But as it is, we're not playing them. Maybe we've got them to come in a later round, though. You know, it could still happen. So um could get that chance yet to just get back at them. And the only thing about it that I didn't think about at the time was that we'd have to play them at their place. And I really don't think many of our lot would want to, risk no. going back to Paris again and that you know it would be a serious serious question for people whether whether they should bother or not because there's people who I know maybe they're okay now maybe they've had a bit of time to get used to it there's a lot of people who just it pretty much put them off going the match and a lot you know a lot of cases because of what's happened previously and then that bringing back all the memories and 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 sort of putting the for younger fans as well I think what Paris did was it put reality into all those stories they've been told growing up like you, you've heard all the Hillsborough stories but because your age you obviously weren't at Hillsborough but you've heard the stories and then being in a situation like that it brings some reality that words can't bring doesn't it I wouldn't go to France again yeah like that that's the, the feeling I have and maybe in time them feelings will change but right now there was there's nothing that could persuade me to go to France um, and I, I know that's it's very stigmatised and you, you're tired the whole nation with one brush but you know Marseille she said the Tottenham fans midweek terribly yeah. they were banned them from part of the city like Leon, I've done it when uh, English clubs have gone there you know it, it's not it's not just one area of France it's systemically across you know their their football culture the way they handle um foreign football fans and especially those of, of an English um, nature so there's nothing that could make me want to go to France for any reason um, and I know quite a few people who, who do go away games that they would rather go to away games than home games and yeah. they were all saying like thank God Paris on in the next round potentially for us because yeah. they wouldn't want to go and they're allowed to go all over Europe and have been to places like what you would perceive as much more potentially dangerous or, you know, places that you've never been before and you're opening your eyes to new parts of the world. We all thought Paris would be safe. We all thought it'd be fine. And it was far from it. So I wouldn't like to, to draw them on that regard because I don't want to put fellow Liverpool fans through that 
trauma, you know, it probably would trigger PTSD for some people because of what mm-hmm. they went through, and it wouldn't be nice. Um, so, you know, hopefully they get a tricky draw elsewhere and, and, and someone else deals with them and, and puts them out. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just one of them. I, I, I can't imagine for those fans who went through Hillsborough and then went through that last year, it must be horrific because, as you say, it will have will have triggered so many negative, awful memories that, you know, it wouldn't have been nice for anybody. And as you say, the, the younger fans now, it, it's not about understanding, but yeah, you've had to go through that. And you, you've probably, if anything, you've got, you know, a bit more of an emotional attachment because of what people went through with Hillsborough. It was a, a very similar situation in terms of mismanaged crowd control, really. And it's 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 not a nice thing to have, have happened. You wouldn't wish it on anybody. And unfortunately, we, we've went through it a few times, really, as a club and as a yeah. fan base. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think one of the things that gets you to get, there's a lot of things that get to you, obviously, about it. But mistakes happen. And so if you've been really kind, people can make mistakes. This has been too kind to the people who, who caused Hillsborough. But if you're trying to just be kind for a second and say, okay, people can make mistakes and misjudgments. But what you do is you learn from them. When it's when it's caused something so bad to happen, you look at yourself and you say, "Shit, I really caught, I really screwed up here. I did the wrong thing, and other people around me did the wrong thing. We need to make sure this never happens again." But of course, the attitude at the time was, "Oh shit, we screwed up. We better not let anyone see. Let's cover up as much as we can. Let's try and change um, evidence. Let's let's um, do alcohol." Um, breathalyzer type tests let's check for alcohol levels in kids blood and all sorts of stuff let's let's change the narrative and just turn it all on liverpool fans let's see if we can get some tory mps to help us and let's get onto a, a national newspaper like murdoch and the sun and kelvin mckenzie see if they can help us put this narrative out there and they did and it succeeded that 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 version of events is what so many people believed and still believe to this day i'm sure and the thing is that if we'd have got the truth back then we probably wouldn't have had things like in, happened in Paris, in my opinion, because there would have been a kind of worldwide um, clamour, if you like, for minimum standards of things that should be done, and that just wouldn't happen. And as Tony pointed out on the episode we did the other day, that the Manchester Arena bombing, there were, you can't let you can't sort of someone planted a bomb, right? That that's going to happen. But as the investigation results, as the inquest results have shown this week from that, people died who wouldn't have done if the authorities had been more organised. But again, because people are just sort of happy to go along with this narrative of it was Liverpool fans who caused Hillsborough, people were drunk, people had no tickets, all of this shite, that is what gives the authorities the chance to kind of not bother fixing things. So sadly, I think what happened at Manchester wouldn't have happened with the same, wouldn't have had the same outcome if Hillsborough had been honestly reported and people had believed it. Yet today, when everyone's got the opportunity, we're still getting the dickheads coming to Anfield. And finally, this week, the FA spoke out, kind of. And now, apparently, they've been ignoring letters from from families, from family members who've lost loved ones at Hillsborough, families of the 97. They've just been completely blanking them when they've been getting in contact with them about this sort of stuff going on at the ground. But finally, they put a statement out on social media saying they don't like it and it shouldn't happen and, and that they praise people who try and stop it. But no no real sort of indication of what they're actually going to do to stop it, what they're actually going to do to change it. And that was disappointing in some ways, but at least they're finally acknowledging something. It's a start. But really what the FA need to do now is 
is put something in place that if you're coming out with that shite, that if you're going to a ground and doing that, you're not coming to the ground. If your fans are doing that, and you can argue it was just some of them, well, just some of them are going to get your fans banned from Anfield for 12 months, two years, three years. Cause, and the FA should be putting the support behind that. They shouldn't be saying, allowing clubs to say, well, if you ban our fans, we're going to ban yours. No, if we ban your fans, it's because of what they did. And you need to put that right and make sure they don't keep doing it. And the more we do that, the better. But it just feels like at times you're just shouting at a wall. But it's getting noticed. It's getting noticed. But, I mean, we went over it with Tony the other day. But finally, there's a, there's a sign that something's going to change. But, um, And I suppose the one of the best signs this week, though, was that, I mean, there's probably lots we can say about Leeds and stuff. But I really did like how they responded to the dickhead from... Ireland, who'd come over as a Leeds fan and was showing off with the sun. Um, he got off lightly. Yeah. And that's being nice to him. Yeah. Um, because... We were saying it last week, weren't we? We were saying what would happen if people... Yeah. You know... Like the, the, the unfortunate West Ham fan, which it went a bit too far, but... Yeah. Like, he's lucky in the sense that there'll be Liverpool fans that will come through Lime Street Station, and if anyone knows the, the demographic of Liverpool, I would set out the geography... Um, Lime Street is literally city centre where Liverpool, obviously the downfield is a mile, two and a half miles, I think, outside the city centre going towards the north end. So if you are going to go to the match and it's, you know, a half hour walk or so from the ground, but the majority of people will make their own way to the, to Anfield, whether it's via, via car or bus or taxi or whatever. Um, I can't imagine there's a lot of you know, people traffic that come through Lime Street, or if they do, they probably move on pretty quickly in, in the direction of the ground. So he's lucky in respect that that weren't seen by more sort of Liverpool fans and he, he didn't get a beaten for it. There was a, a picture later on where he was found or he was spotted in the round and field, but he was cowering behind stewards and police because, you know, he, he wasn't have such a big bollocks then to be holding up that rag of a paper yeah. um, and cowering for his life. And if if Dundalk FC have got a bounce of gratitude about them, they'll do exactly what Leeds did and, you know, ban him and he, he's going to get barraged with things because his emails out there and yeah. what Liverpool fans will do is they will find you and they will torture you via different ways that you, obviously not physically, but they will send <laughs> random things to your house. They'll be in touch with your employer. They'll be in touch with anything they can do support your life hell and have it because that's just what they do like if we can't physically get our hands in you we'll find another way to get our hands in you one way or another yeah um so you know i wouldn't even wish the best of luck and just say like you, you brought this on yourself soft lad yeah and hopefully um, some people are going to look on and learn from it as well hello i'm here to annoy you i'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on epl index we don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. 
So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye bye. And this 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 needs to happen, and we, we finally got the attention of like talk sports for some bizarre reason because you know of all the radio stations and you know the the Murdoch controlled media empire. Um, Simon Jordan again. I bring him up all the time on this podcast yeah. because he says so much. Eventually, he's going to get one thing that you agree with. Um, yeah, it's like a broken clock, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> it, it will eventually be right twice a day. Yeah. This lad, but he, he was absolutely spot on, and um, in what he said this week, I've seen a few clips around social media that you know what is going on is unacceptable, um, and yeah, I totally agree. I think we've spoken it before. That potentially, the only way to sort it is ban fans from coming to Anfield and it may then lead to some sort of self-policing amongst fan bases because the FA don't seem arse like you said yeah. um, half-hearted apology um, pretty much you know along the Man City lines of oh I didn't see it Gov but oh it was there oh sorry about that we all our hands up but we'll all move on no we won't um, and if the FA aren't going to have the, you know, the, the whereabouts to do anything about it then we're going to have to try and do it ourselves because we've climbed a hill and we'll do it again and we'll do it again. But if fans are banned from coming to Anfield, you would like to think and hope that self-policing amongst the away fans because the, the majority of away fans travel regularly together. You know, they, they all sort of know each other one way or another. Yeah, yeah. And they mingle around all over the country and credit to those who spend the time and money to do it. Um, if you're banned from coming to Anfield, a lot of people, a lot of clubs, you know, it's 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 an iconic ground to come to for many reasons. If you're not allowed to come, and then when you are allowed again in maybe a couple of years' time, and somebody tries to to speak in an out of tone manner and get such vile chants started, then you'd like to hope that people within that fan base are like, hey, that's enough. We've not been here for two years and we don't want to have it again. So shut your mouth, get on with like supporting your own team and we will be back next year. Otherwise, we just keep continuing the same thing because we don't need them there. Like, no, There's a lot of fans who would love to go to the ground and if the 3,000 extra seats or maybe three and a half, four thousand once the Anfield Road is, is extended, if they're not being given to away fans and they can be given to local school children, you know, people who really want to go to the game from wherever you are in the world. Liverpool fans will lap it up. There will be a queue round Anfield four or five times over for those tickets and it wouldn't be a problem. So if if, that, if that's what it takes, then, you know, maybe that's what it takes, but it can't continue. And I hate to bring it up every week, but we do because it's getting worse and worse every week and, and it's the thing, isn't it? It's every week yeah. now. It's not. It's not an isolated. Incident. It's not. It's not a one-off anymore. It's like we know. We, we, if we got this weekend spares, like I don't know whether you'll you'll get any sort of that from Spurs. You may do. You may not. I, I don't know. Of all the teams who shouldn't be doing the job, doing it though, it's Spurs because they they went through similar shit before we did, and you know, and they were very lucky, if that's the right word. Um, fortunate. I don't know. Just just. The gods were, were shining down on them or whatever, that they didn't have something similar happen to them before it happened to us because that's what that stadium was like. It was disgustingly bad. Should never have yeah. been allowed. And the FA 
should have dealt with it and should have been wringing the hands in sorrow afterwards about it as well when when it happened instead of just trying to pretend it wasn't their fault so they they've got a lot of, they've got a lot of work to do to try and pay back what they did all those years ago a lot of them have and i think just quickly as well the broadcasters um i said this on twitter the other day you watch the match there's a bit of foul language like one of the managers loses it one of the players stays what he thinks mike picks it up might be even some chanting with some swearing in and it's Oh, and we're sorry if you heard some uh, some choice language just then. We do apologise. Um, you know, that's sometimes what it's like as a football game is the kind of thing you hear, but you instantly get an apology so that off come on on the backs. Why aren't they apologising? Because they're forever broadcasting stuff, mocking the families of the victims of a horrific disaster. So there should be apologies for that instead of pretending it's not happening. And more of the broadcasters need to do that. And if we start educating people, telling them why it's wrong, it's going to go away. I mean, I think with racism, we don't hear racist chanting like we used to do. And is that because people start being racist? Or is it because people, in some cases, got to realise why it is wrong to be racist and, and chant like that? And in other cases, maybe still are racist, but have realised that the consequences are too great if they actually make it too obvious that they are. So it, it went away in terms of having, people having to go through it. And it is traumatic what people have to go through. But talking of so, spares... So on, just sorry. quickly on that yeah. one, sorry. The whole hoorah around the Chelsea Rembrandt, Chelsea, oh. you know, how much was made of that? Yeah. And it, this this is just brushing on the carpet. I, it doesn't surprise us, but it's frustrating because it carries on happening and it's getting worse. Um, and if, if that Chelsea chant can be, you know, deemed unacceptable, and I don't know if there was some sort of, you know, charge that could be labelled towards fans or, you know, and it's deemed an offence, then this is an offence as well. Yeah, there is something with the FA about... Um, the, should like, it be heard? We'd we, we yeah. face a ban or, you know, no fans are or whatever. Whatever it is. But if if that comes under some sort of jurisdiction that we can face a punishment for it, exactly the same should be happening with Hills for stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. And... You know what? It wouldn't hurt the FA to rewrite the the rules, the laws, the regulations, and just put that in. It wouldn't hurt them whatsoever. And if anyone objected to it, you'd have to ask yourself why they were involved in the game of football anyway. If that's what they if they objected to it, there's always freedom of speech, dickheads who come along and say you should be able to upset anyone however you like. But you know they are dickheads, so why listen to them? Um, I'm not totally against freedom of speech, by the way. Just the people who hide behind it to do some insults. Just but thinking of Spurs, we've got them next and. Well, it's impossible to predict how Liverpool are going to play, but Klopp's mentioned um, Henderson's back, but Milner won't be because of concussion. And I think I've just I've not had a chance to watch the whole press conference, but just reading some of the quotes. One of them was that uh, about Darwin, that he's a real threat in finishing situations, involved in everything, always an option to pass and cross to, involved in both goals on Tuesday, so he's making big steps. So, um, and I think, yeah, I think. It, there's not a lot Klopp could say, really, is there, about about what's happened and what's going to happen. It's kind of... It's been worried... This season's just been the way it has, hasn't it? Yeah, and along the lines of what you'd expect, you wouldn't be surprised if we go there and, and turn them over. Uh, I know they're missing a few players, but so are we. So it's not an excuse, but Conte will roll it out anyway because he likes a good whinge. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know... It, Spurs are one of these, you know, it, the whole term Spursy, it, 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 it is just a way to sum up. You don't really know 
what you're going to get, what's going to happen. But, you know, Sunday afternoon, you know, we spoke about the games under the lights and stuff. This time of year, the clocks have gone back last week, so it'll be under the lights. I've not been to that stadium, but from all, you know, people who have been, it's a, it's a, it's a great stadium, um, and it can get loud and lively. But hopefully, um, we we silenced them um, for the right reasons. And it's a big game, and one thing we have done this season is we've raised our level to the opposition. Or in the case of Forest and Leeds, we've dropped our level to the opposition. Um, so you'd like to think, you know, Spurs a nominal bigger team in the league of obviously above us in the league it would raise you know the the motivation and the, and the drive within the, the lads to to go on there and put a show on and given what the result was in midweek against arguably the most informed side in Europe it, it it shouldn't be you know an easy out for players to say well we're not up for this one because you know all, all the ingredients are there like the like the way for Leeds last week we said it but um yeah, I, I, I'd have fancy us to go there and get something this week. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Klopp said, um, he said one of the things he said, he's never thought, oh, now's a good time to face Tottenham. So he knows it's going to be tough. He says that Liverpool have got to fight through this. You can't play through it. You've got to fight through it. And that's that word fight is one that is music to my ears because that's what we should be doing. We should be fighting against these teams. That And in all honesty... I've said this before, I mean, you should be able to get up for a game against Forest or Leeds or Wolves or whoever, but if you can't get up for a game against Tottenham in the situation we're in, then you shouldn't be playing for us. Um, he's also said Fab was looking better in the week, you know, sign of us getting back to his old ways, which is nice to see as well. And um, I think, you know, I think it's promising, it's promising. But also Klopp, what he's also been doing this week is um, he went and got himself to freedom of the city, didn't he? He did, and while we've been speaking, I've been doing a little bit of research, and unfortunately, <laughs> you won't be seeing him parade his sheep oh. down Dale Street, down all the pubs while he's having a few pints, and you won't be seeing him allowing his sheep to graze in Sefton Park because he's not also allowed to do that. Um, this day and age, it's, it's more seen as an honorary um, right. sort of privilege, and um, he's actually only the second foreign person um, to receive that honour of the, the freedom of the city of Liverpool after one Nelson Mandela. Um, so contrasting sort of lifestyle and livelihoods in terms of how they received that honour. But um, both people, both people fan, who the Tories didn't like. I know Margaret Thatcher hated Nelson Mandela from what everyone says at the time, and so and Tories won't like Klopp. So yeah, that's that's. that's yeah. But that, other than that, there's not much else in common, I suppose. They, they made the people happy. Um, which is an old uh, an old Liverpool quote but I think if even if you are of the blue persuasion you're probably if you sit them down on their own and they're not blinded by all the other idiots around them because a lot of them can be quite level headed when you get them on their own they would say he's been good for you and he has he's brought a lot to the city he's he's revitalised Liverpool as a club um, but you've only got to look at the scenes of like, you know, the the parades that we've had, and when you you delve deeper into little things like independent market traders, people who've got stores around the city selling Liverpool merchandise, you know, stuff like that. It's given people, you know, opportunity to make money, an opportunity for the livelihood. There's fiend bars around the city, you know. There's all sorts. He, he has he has benefited the city in a, in a huge way, and. 
you know, even if you are gluten to glasses, you you would probably deep down admit I, I actually love him as our gaffer. Um, but as it is, he's ours. Um, he's not beyond question, which a few people have done over recent weeks, and you know that comes with the trade of the job. But he can stop them questions if he answers them with points on the pitch. Yeah, that's it. And I think you know it, it's so easy to kind of sort of think, oh, Liverpool are losing; they're not doing very well; they're not very confident. Right, get a new manager. That that sort of attitude is is the kind of Chelsea attitude and. That's never been Liverpool's attitude. It's never been the Liverpool way, which is a phrase that sometimes gets misused. But it's never been the Liverpool way. We give people time. We look at what's going wrong. What's the bigger picture? What else is happening? What else can we change? Is it? it it's not just a case of sacking a manager and thinking everything will be fixed. And more often than not, when clubs start to do that, they start to struggle. I mean, Manchester United are a prime example that they just assumed changing the manager, changing the manager, changing the manager would would help them. Although. Um, they probably did hang on to Solskjaer longer than they should have done, but you know we'd have liked them to hang on even longer. But never mind. Um, it, it's he's, he's made a massive difference to Liverpool, and I think Rafa did the same when he was here. And until all the ownership stuff kind of kicked off, and it all turned very nasty, and there was people briefing against people and all the other nasty stuff that went on around then. But but Klopp's kind of brought us all back together. I think and made sure we're all back together. And you're right, Evertonians do kind of praise him. I've even had Manx praising him quietly but you know like you say when there's no one else listening and they're sort of you know they're sort of more confiding in you aren't they really than um than sort of boasting about it but yeah they can see the difference he made and it's right that he gets given an honor like that because he's 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 an honorary scouser he's got the attitude of a scouser hasn't he he's he knows what what's right and what's wrong and he's humble with it as well and he's got a sense of humor that um a lot of people just don't get yeah, I mean, you couldn't have handpicked a man better to come in and manage our club. Um, it, it's so easy to just say, like, you, you understand people from Liverpool, you understand Scouts. If you're not from Liverpool, you say, like, oh, I understand where you're coming from. But you probably don't unless you've, you're living in and around a city. Like, it's, we do live in our own little bubble yeah. in the nicest way possible. Um, because, we are so different to so many other people around the world and the one thing that that we've got is a uniqueness about us and that is Klopp, he is unique um, there is, there's probably imitations of other managers around the world who want to be like him but there's nobody like him um, and I think that is probably one of the biggest compliments I could give him is he gets us and we get him and you know managers of yesteryear we've had very very good ones. We've had a couple of shady ones and a couple that we don't ever speak of again. Um, but to go down with like the legends that are on the flag of like Shankly, Paisley, Rafa, Kenny, Klopp, like they're the they're the names you reel off because they've done things for us that you know you'll you'll never see again um, unless you get another one of these great men in charge. So you know, he, for me, he, he made the dream come true and see us lift the league and. You know, for me, he'll, he'll always be one of the best because it's what I've seen in, in my lifetime. And, you know, the, the, the managers of yesteryear that others have seen will say, well, he's very close to them. And again, that that's one of the another highest compliment that you can give him is if you mention within the same breath of the great men who built this club, then, then there's not much more you can do. 
No, and he's, he's sort of come along here and he's just completely integrated himself into the city and into the way, the way of life and and with the people and become like a man of the people, like which is what Bill Shankly did. You know, Bill Shankly, Scottish, um, obviously Huddersfield before us, and moved across the Pennines and just lived the rest of his life in Liverpool. Bob Paisley from the northeast, you know, instantly came. Well, not instantly, but was over here for years. But again. You know, he, he, despite the accent, he would have looked out of place anywhere other than in Liverpool. Um, and of course, Kenny was, was another example of that. He's still at Liverpool. He still lives in the area. He's still, you know, such an important icon for people, certainly of my generation. And I think Klopp's doing the same. And obviously in between them, we've had like the, let's say Joe Fagan and Ronnie Moran involved who, who, um, who weren't from far afield. They were local. But again, that was all part of the overall. The overall setup and everything wasn't it in the way, the way things worked. It's, it's even good. Agent Rafa still lives around. He does. He still lives <laughs> over on Coldy, doesn't he? And, uh... Yeah, Agent Rafa. He, he took the job. He took the money. He nearly <laughs> took them down. You know, but he he'll always be in in part of the city. He'll always be welcome. He will, and that's the thing. I mean, I mean, as well. I mean, the were things were difficult with Rafa towards the end, and it wasn't. I don't, in my view, it wasn't of his own doing. Most of it, odd bits maybe, but the situation he was in, he was doing far more than a football manager should be doing in terms of what he had to do. There was too much other stuff going on, and I'm sure that will be something we do on future podcasts, especially now Tony's doing some with us as well. But he, you know, he he wanted to win, and that's what he does. He wants to win, but he wants to do it for the fans, and he said this over and over again. And I know this. I know. You know, speaking to him when there aren't cameras and microphones rolling and just listening to him and listening to people who know him as well when he's just relaxed. That, that's what he wanted more than anything was to make fans happy. That, that's why he did it. That, that was because you paid your money as a manager. Whatever deal you get to be a manager, you paid that and you might get bonuses for winning things, but that's, that's not why you want to win. That's not what's in you. That's, it's the competitiveness and all the rest of it and, and wanting to make people happy. And I think Klopp's the same. I think, you know, I don't think they needed to incentivise his pay in his contract because he'd try just as hard whether he got an extra penny for it or an extra million for it. And there's not many in football you can say that about. And I think that as well is something that makes him fit so well with us. Yeah, it's in this current climate, like everything that's going on in this country is a mess. But it's not about how much money you've got in the bank. It's like it's not about the flash car you drive or the nice clothes you might wear. As long as you're happy and as long as those around you are happy, like your family and your friends, you're pretty much okay. Like and that, that's just, just the mentality we live. There, there will be people who who like the finer things in life, but I think the general consensus of people in the round Liverpool is if you're quite happy and those around you are happy and having a good time then it's all good. I, you know, money can't be ever and having nice shiny things isn't the be all and end all. Having a good time is and having having smiles on your face, you can't put a price on that. No, you can't. And um, as I always said, football is the thing that distracts you from real life, and lots of things in real life are shitty at the minute. So let's hope that this what we saw against Napoli in midweek is the start of Liverpool just getting back to their old ways, the swagger back, the 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 unbeatability back, just the general stuff that Liverpool do that makes us smile, because I've smiled so many times since Klopp came to Anfield. But um, I suppose we better stop now, because we could talk forever, but I suppose we better stop. So until next time, thanks for listening, and 
next time, hopefully, we'll be in as good a mood as we were today because we'll adjust in a good win. But if not, you know what? We'll have plenty to talk about and plenty to say. But again, thanks for listening. Um, hope you do catch our other podcast as well that we did with Tony Evans earlier in the week. It's good to have him on board. Um, you know, another set of views about what life's like as a Liverpool fan. And he's got a load of really, really interesting views. And, um, yeah, I think I like his idea of giving everyone a few pints before they go in. And, you know, if you, if you don't drink, you know, just try and go in as if you've had a few pints and you know, be happy. Get going. And whether you're watching it on the TV or watching it in the ground, just, just always enjoy the game. And if you go in with that attitude, maybe, maybe we won't have games that are impossible to enjoy like we've had recently. But again, thanks for listening and we will see you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.